Welcome to democracyonthemove.org, a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true democratic principles. Content for this episode was recorded on Sunday, May 9, 2021. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. I've been researching a topic known as critical race theory because it seems to be coming up a lot in the news lately. It's a big topic with lots of history and lots of passion. I have to admit, I'm not quite ready to speak intelligently about it on this podcast. I still have more homework to do, and I plan to have a guest on the show soon to talk more about this topic. But in the meantime, I thought I'd present an interesting video that surfaced lately, where Texas State Representative Rafael Anchia challenged a fellow state representative, Briscoe Kane, after Kane had sponsored a voter suppression bill that used the phrase, purity at the ballot box. This harkens back to the Jim Crow era politics, where purity was used to disenfranchise black voters after the Civil War. I found it interesting that Kane justified this term based on wording in the Texas Constitution, even going so far as to recite the section and paragraph where this term shows up, yet he claimed to be clueless as to its original origin and intent. Now, whether Cain was being genuine or not, it demonstrates to me that racist language codified into modern laws is precisely the motivation for the origins of critical race theory. If you trace critical race theory back to its beginning, it started out as a class taught at Harvard Law School back in the 1970s, and it proposed to study the intersection of racial issues and law. The audio I provide at this point was taken from a debate on the Texas House floor where Representative Anchia is the challenger and Representative Kane is on defense. It's an interesting exchange. Let's listen in. Your House Committee on Elections last week, is that correct? Um, yes. And you're the chairman of that committee, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And as I review the bill, it seems that um, both the Senate Bill 7 and House Bill 6 have identical captions. Is that correct? Um, now they do. Yeah, now they okay. do. After we did a committee substitutes to 7, now it has the same caption. So yes? Yes, sir. Okay. And as I reviewed the committee substitute to Senate Bill 7, which was considered um, in the Elections Committee, it seems that the bill language itself is maybe not identical, but nearly identical to the current version of House Bill 6. Is that correct? I'm under the impression of the same thing, yes, sir. Okay. So you believe they're identical. You chose a, 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 a peculiar term in drafting this bill and it's on page one, line 12. I, do, you have, do you have a copy of the bill in front of you? I do, yes, sir. And you talked about preserving the purity of the ballot box. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a quotation from the Texas Constitution. It would be Article 6, Section 4. Right. And are you aware of the history behind that provision of the Constitution? I'm, I'm not. Okay. Are you aware that references to, quote, purity of the ballot box used throughout this country's history has been a justification for states to disenfranchise groups they deem unfit to vote or somehow lacking? I, I didn't know that. I thought it meant. Mr. Speaker, 
Mr. Anchia. Can, can you kindly direct the, our, our guests in the gallery uh, to refrain from outbursts? The chair will remind members, uh, pardon me, guests in the gallery to refrain from outbursts. This is your first warning. Please contain yourself. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, so um, I, I wasn't aware of that. I guess I thought purity meaning um, not having fraud in it or something. And, uh, okay. Um, are you aware of the 1972 Supreme Court case Dunn versus Blumenstein? I, I'm not. All right. In that case, they noted that statements, quote, related to the preservation of purity at the ballot box, while a formidable sounding state interest cannot be used to justify any and all voting requirements that a state might think up. End quote. Did you did you run across this explanation when when you specifically used that term? No, not at all. Um, what what was what was your motivation for using that term purity at the ballot box? Because that's a specific okay. set of words that has a lot of meaning in state history. Well, what was uh, your intention? I'm going to answer for you. You know, you, you may have figured it out by now. I really like the, the state constitution, and, and I think um, as a legislative body, just as Congress should, they should be looking for their authority from, from their charter, from the thing that gives them power. And so when we're looking at what authorizes us, right, the sovereign people of the state of Texas who, who delegated their authority to the, through the Constitution, we then should look to the Constitution and say, what gives us authority to do anything on this issue? And, and that's the provision that, that does that, and so that would be why. And do you know what was, you know what the motivation was for that Texas Constitution? And you're referring specifically to the Texas Constitution of 1876, correct? Yeah, our current Constitution, yes. All right. Do yeah. You, do you, um, did you look at, at, at the history before using that word? No, no. The only thing, if we were to have a, a discussion, maybe over some coffee or a drink, somebody I could go into the details of, of Article One really well. Um, I've read the debates in the journals of the Convention of 1875 on that for, for that thing, but I'm not familiar with the, the you one. May, on you may have missed it then, uh, uh, and, and this would have been very obvious, I think, to anybody who looked at that and looked at that language. And that provision was drafted specifically to disenfranchise black people, mm. black voters, in fact, following the Civil War. Did you okay. know that? No, that's, that's I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And are you familiar with white primaries? I've, we've, we've heard and read of such things. I'm glad have you that's read about gone. Those? It's a disgusting thing, yes. Did you realize that that purity of the ballot box language in the Texas Constitution gave rise to all white primaries? No, no I didn't. And did you know that this purity at the ballot box justification was also used during the Jim Crow area to prevent black people from voting? No, no, those are, those are troubling things. I, I didn't know that was there. Did reason. you know that in states across the country that penal disenfranchisement schemes were put in place, including in Texas, as far back as 1845, to effectively lock African-American people out of the political process? Are you aware of this history? You know, um, I, I think we've said a few times that I, I wasn't aware of um, any kind of malicious intent in the use of that term. Okay. And the reason it was used is I looked at the Constitution because I believe our authority Derived from the people, and that's why. Gentlemen's time's expired. Mr. Speaker, uh, Mr. Given, given the importance of this subject to the voting rights of, to all Texans, I move that we uh, extend time for all 
um, question period uh, for the pendency of this debate. Mr. Inchio, you I cannot recognize you for that motion, but I can recognize you for the extension of time right now. Mr. Speaker, thank you. Uh, I, would, I, would, I, move, I therefore move that the gentleman's time be extended. A, a, a third extension does require unanimous consent. Is there objection? Chair, here's none. The gentleman's time is extended. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Now, because we have that history in place and the references in your bill that evoke some of that a very dark history in our state. I wanted to ask you, I want to fast forward to the last decade. Are, are you aware that there have been multiple findings of intentional discrimination against African Americans and Latinos by the state legislature, found by three federal courts? Yeah, I don't know the numbers, but I, I believe you've said it. By the way, I'd be totally fine with that amendment to maybe strike the word purity and say integrity or something if you want to offer that. Okay. No, I was just curious, I mean, because I think language is important, and the language you chose to use in this bill might reflect on one's intent, because if you are a student of the Texas Constitution, as you said you were, I think that might be probative, and that's why I wanted to ask those questions. Because of the history that, that we just outlined, that you said you were generally aware of, you weren't exactly sure of the number of times, um, I will tell you that in the D.C. Circuit Court, in an El Paso court, and in a three-judge panel composed of two Republican appointees and one Democratic appointees, there were findings of intentional discrimination against the Texas legislature, specifically against, com uh, against communities of color. So in light of that history, can you tell me if or why you did not do a racial impact analysis on how this legislation would affect people of color? Well, Representative, you would ask if I was familiar with it. And um, when, when were those, by the way? Because I wasn't, and so... I, I'm sorry. It, so they, they were... It was from 2010 to 2020, in the last decade. Yeah. I'd like to pretend that I was younger than that. Um, I, I, I really don't recall that, and, and so your question's based on in light of this. As were, if, were you genuinely aware? Have you yeah, heard I, that I that wasn't aware of it, and so an I could be in light of that and therefore do this, be, you know, in spite of or something. And so I'm, I'm not aware of it, sir. Okay. Uh, well, given that history, did you ever um, give thought to how this legislation might impact African Americans? We, it, did you ever give it thought? Did I give it a thought? Yeah, and if I, if I thought somehow that this was designed to have some animus against any people group, it wouldn't have been written that way. In fact, due to the number of this bill, I don't think um, our speaker would have allowed it to be that, done that way. I don't think we'd have as many people signed on to it. They wouldn't have done that. I don't think the members of the committee would have, would have voted for it or supported if it did that. So, no, I, I didn't. Well, I, I, it's I, difficult it, it for... It crossed my mind, but I didn't think it did it, and so... So, as a result, not, and, and uh, in, a, in an effort to make sure that there was... Forget the intentional discrimination that occurred in Voting Rights Matters during just the last decade. Did you, did you worry that there might be a discriminatory effect, even if, if you thought there was no discriminatory intent? Because under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, we have a discriminatory effect standard. Did you ever look to see if there might be or solicit a third-party uh, analysis or any third-party testimony about the racial impact mm -hmm. of this bill? 
You know, what I can tell you is, is in crafting it, there were, there were things that people had proposed and brought us, and when I read those things, I thought, man, that, that I don't like that. That looks bad, and so we rejected it. If, is that because you, so because going, you didn't like it. No, because I'm thinking, no, these are bad things. These are things that I actually thought might and have a disparate. what does bad mean to you? Something that would have a disparate impact on somebody. Something that could go, hey, you know, that I think, I think that's wrong. And how did you make that call? Just kind of by your heart, kind of a gut feeling. It was your gut it, feeling, you thought, right? It was, you know, you, you may not have known, but you just thought it was your gut feeling that, hey, that, that feels bad to me, and I'm, I don't want it to be in my bill, right? Is that what you're saying? You know, from people that we we talked with, there's, no, but there's is lawyers. Is that what you're saying? Like, like you said, it came from your gut, uh, and you no, thought, and you let's thought begin. there's you some stuff. There's some stuff okay. that would be bad. So here's how right? it begins. So, go, so no, no, Mr. Inchia, no, no. if you allow me to answer the question, please. Well, I'm, I, I'd so love you for look you at to it and you go, man, you know, I don't like that. that, that and I'm going to go talk asked. to. Him. I'm going to go talk. And, to And I'm going to say say your words back. And I'm going to go talk to other members about it because you're construing it. Let me finish. You, you see something, you go, man, I, you know, I'm not sure about that. That happens in this chamber all the time. And then we go and talk to people. Go, hey, I, I think maybe that's not good. You, you agree, and then other people say, yeah, and so that's why I wouldn't have and, come in. And so to whom in the chamber did you discuss these things? You know, you know members of the committee and, and, and friends and, and other people. Yeah. So, so you asked members of the committee if proposals might have a disparate impact on Latinos and African Americans. Is that, is that what no, you're saying to the body? No, not like that. What I'm saying is, do you, you know, hey, I'm not sure about this. Could, is that bad? And, and, you know, maybe they'd agree. And what, so, was, what was their analysis when you asked them? I'm not saying any of this is about some racial impact. What I'm saying is whether we thought maybe, you know, I don't think that actually helps people. But the question was specifically about Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act and oh, not, dis not discriminatory like effect but, yeah. uh, intent, but rather discriminatory effect. So uh, I'm, I, I don't I will, recall I you ask, mentioning. I don't recall I, you mentioning. Can I? I I've allowed I don't you to you finish your section two of the Voting Rights Act. So I'm sorry. What I'm, I, what I would. I, I would. I have allowed you to, to to finish your answers. So if you can allow me to to restate my question again. Is it on the bill? You said you were, for lack of a better term, deciding what would go in and not go in to the bill based on your gut feeling, and. Some things you did not put in the bill because of that gut feeling or because, as you have said, you spoke to other members of the committee about those things. Did you ever think to ask for testimony in your committee on racial impact from this legislation? Will you allow me to answer your question? Yes. Okay. That, that, that is a very specific question. Did you ever do that? All right, so you would phrase it, and I was talking about kind of going with gut feeling. I wasn't talking about impact on any kind of particular thing. Well, that Meaning, was the frame of the question. Well, you, you keep bringing up the gut feeling thing, so I think I need to clarify it. Um, what that means is, you know, I thought that wasn't good law or something. Um, what is we, good law here? I think anything what does that, that mean treats to you? everybody what is good equally law? And, and, and make sure that watchers aren't excluded, that they're able to to watch the process, to make sure that it's fair, that we don't have people that are receiving assistance being taken advantage of, you know. Um, but in making good law, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're including understanding what the impact is on African Americans or Latinos, right? Because you did not do that. Is that correct? Did we have an impact study done? No, and okay. I think I've answered that, yes sir. Okay, do, why did you not have one done? If you were trying to figure out what might constitute good or bad law, and you knew that rather than having a discriminatory intent, which you're telling us today 
this bill does not have, that it might have a discriminatory effect. I, this bill is designed to protect all voters, and so I guess because I didn't think this was treating anyone differently, I wouldn't have thought there was a, a reason to study it, because it, it literally is about all Were you ever in asked Texas. in committee by a member of the committee to do such a, Actually, a study? Actually, someone asked had we performed one, and that, that, that question was done, and I answered it then that, that one wasn't done. Okay, and, and did you think to do one after that request had been made? No, I, I didn't think so. I, you know, I didn't think that was necessary because I believe that this, this bill is designed to protect all voters, every single one of them. Because it, because it was your because you you thought that this bill was neutral and you trusted that gut feeling you trusted well, re how recall, you felt about the bill right re recall that I've, you'd ask you're trying to pin me down on the gut feeling thing and I and I told you that was about whether I like language or not it wasn't about I'm just restating that. your your terms yeah but it wasn't about that in context I was trying to reestablish context so um, you know in writing it whether we think words are or bad, must or shall, you know, those kind of different things, yeah. But no, this wasn't about... Could, can you like describe that. what types of voter fraud this is intent to stop, intended to stop this bill? Because you, you said earlier that this is about protecting voters and uh, sort of allowing people to watch uh, polls. What, what fraud is it designed to stop? Okay, yeah. Well, you know, we've got, we're trying to maybe stop the, what we call ballot harvesting. Um, and what does that mean to you? You know, that means when, when, when someone's, you know, compensated um, in order to go and, and, and harvest votes, I meaning they're, they're being paid. In fact, I prefer the word uh, what, what, ballot what is, trafficking are, more. Are, and, what what uh, do those terms mean to you? What is, walk me through how ballot trafficking works. Okay. Let's go to the, the section of the code that'll, that'll fit it for us. Um, we're going to go to chapter 276 um, in our code. Okay. And so we're going to go to 276014. And, this and what, is, pa what page is it in your bill? I'll find it. Yeah. Here we go. So 276014 is in, entitled Paid Vote Harvesting. And, and, and the purpose there is to, you know, you, you can't have any benefit. Uh, so vote harvesting means a direct interaction with one or more voters in connection with an official ballot. Gentlemen's time's expired. Mr. Speaker, would you recognize me for a motion to extend time? Ms. Ranchia, we do not extend time beyond three extensions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Ranchia, for what purpose? Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, will the gentleman yield for additional questions? Would the gentleman yield for questions? Yes, sir. The gentleman yields. And thank you, Mr. Speaker, for, the, um, for allowing us to continue this dialogue. Mr. Kane, I don't know, uh, you probably don't know this, and if you can confirm it for me, you know my dad doesn't speak very good English because he's an immigrant. Did you know that? Uh, I, I didn't know that about your father, sir. Yep. Do you know how many people in Texas are speakers of a non-English language? Um, I'm, I'm unaware. 8.6 million. They need help when they vote. So do you, do you know how, have you inquired how your bill will affect non-English speakers um, in Texas? The 8.6 million of them? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, 
In fact, you know, chapter 64. What page are you looking at? Oh, I'm just going to the, uh, the, the election code. I'm sorry. Okay. You know, chapter 64 of the election code speaks to uh, assistance of, yep. of voters and, and a person that's eligible to receive assistance is, you know, someone that needs help writing their ballot or, right. or, or reading it. And what this bill does for them is we want to make sure they're not, no one takes advantage of them. Can you point and, to me where instruction is given, where, where in your bill instruction is given in a language other than English? Because you said this bill is, is designed to help those people. So where in your bill does it, does it talk about non-English non speakers and assisting those people? Well, it, it doesn't speak to that, but what it okay. does is ensures that, um, like in the oath of assistance um, provision of this bill. What, which, what page are you talking about? Let's, let's look for it. Yeah, there we go. We're on um, page 10, but this okay. section begins at, at the top of 9, so it's section 4.02. And in chapter 64.031 of the election code, I believe, sets out those who qualify to receive assistance. What line of your bill is that? Okay. Of what? What you're referring to. You said in your bill, and, and you directed me to page 10. What, what uh, line are you yeah, referring to? Yeah, we're going to be at section 4.02. So going below section 4.02, so that's page 9, line 25. Page 9, line 25. Go on. Yeah. Okay. So that's why we're, we're amending this existing oath, you know, to, to make sure that people who are eligible for assistance, that no one pressures them or, you know, or maybe takes advantage of them, someone that maybe is unable uh, to properly uh, or to read the ballot in the language that it's written in, because uh, under chapters... And is that oath in a language other than English? Or is there a provision in your bill related to that? No, but the, I'm okay. not opposed to ensuring that the Secretary of State makes sure they write the, the oath in more than one language. That sounds like a good thing. Do you, you know, have any data on how the provisions of your bill would impact non-English speaking voters? Well, here's how I know it, it, would, it would impact voters, uh, you know. So ele no, eligibility I'm, I'm for specifically assistance. specifically referring to non-English speaking voters. I think you're trying to answer a different yeah. question well, than what I'm on, asking. This is about this, listen. So uh, chapter, it's section 64.031 says, a voter is eligible to receive assistance in marking the ballot as provided this chapter if the voter cannot prepare the ballot because of a physical disability that renders the voter unable to write or see, or an inability to read the language in which the ballot is written. Right? My, my question related to well, data, have you looked at any data on how your bill, I mean, have you, have you solicited testimony? Have you asked for a study? Have you asked the Secretary of State for data? Because it's, it's not about, it's not specifically about the provision you're, you're referring to, but how your bill would impact non-English speaking voters. Have you done, have you done any of the things that, that I just described? No, sir, and, I, and I, okay. I didn't hear anybody during, um, during the testimony mention that, but, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea that we ensure that the oath of assistance is in more than one language. I mean, this is a, it's a diverse state. Okay. Yeah. Now, your, your bill significantly increases the role of poll watchers at polling locations. Is that correct? I don't think it significantly increases the role at all. Does it, it so it doesn't increase the role at all, in your, no, it, in your it opinion? It doesn't change existing law to, well, we change to, existing to law give to that 
poll worker more power? That's correct. It, it does not at all. Okay. At, at, at all. Like, so chapter 33, by the way, is, is entitled observers, um, but it's all about watchers, actually. Observers is a, a federal law term for, for some reason, you know, but we, we're on watchers, and, and it doesn't... And so under current law, an election judge has complete authority over poll watchers, correct? Yeah, they've, they've, okay. they've got the... They're, and under they're, your they're bill, the at the polling they would no longer have that authority, correct? No, I don't think it changes their authority or anything. We're really clarifying it, you know? Um, for example, this bill makes sure that a watcher who's appointed and properly there, they can't just be mo removed for any other reason. But to clarify that, we've got some amendments today that we'd like to offer that, that make sure to clarify, you know... Uh, Is that Representative Click? I'm sorry. I, I couldn't understand who, who you were referring to. Oh, I've got, I've got an amendment as you, well. You have that, an amendment. That'll make sure to, to, to kind of clarify... Um, that uh, it'll clarify, you know, that, that they can obviously be removed for violation 276. We got one that wants to be very clear that hey, you can call the police to have them removed for breaches of the peace. Um, so, and by the way, they're not even allowed to talk to a, communicate to a voter in the code. I don't know if you wear that. Watchers, so I, I was, it's illegal for them to even talk to a voter, you know. And, and we've got some that want to clarify, you know, that also means you can't harass them. So, so I let agree me, to that. Let me ask you on page five, line 18, where, we, where you discuss removal of the watcher from the polling place. You put limitations on the presiding judge's ability to remove the watcher on, on line 19, where you say that the judge may remove the watcher from a polling place only if the watcher engages in activity that would constitute an event, uh, an offense related to the conduct of the bill. So that changes the authority yeah. of the watcher vis-a-vis -vis current law, does it not? I think it's clarifying what the existing law is, but we also have, uh, I've seen some amendments we're working on that would say, or of this code, you know, a violation of the code to kind of really further clarify that. I think it's already their power. So, but let's, you know? let's be clear about this. Mm -hmm. Under current law, the election judge that otherwise has the power of a state district judge, you're aware of that, correct? Yes. Okay would have complete authority over the poll watcher to make sure that they could conduct the election. And here, you are placing a limitation and saying that the election judge can only remove a poll watcher under a very specific set of circumstances. Isn't that right? Yeah, you know, so... So, so is that yeah, as in yes? So the overarching goal of, of this bill is to... Wait, uh, just, just help me out. Did you say yeah, as in yes, at the beginning of your answer? Yes, and okay. because the overarching goal of this bill Excellent. is to instill the trust in the electoral system, and that's why um, we're, we're ensuring that watchers can do what they were, you know, appointed to do. Thank you for your answers, Mr. Kane. Thank you, sir. We've been listening to an exchange between Texas State Representative Rafael Anchia as he challenged Texas State Representative Briscoe Kane regarding the text of a voter suppression bill that included racially sensitive language. This is Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true democratic principles. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any suggestions for stories and or people you think we should cover at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through our website contact page at democracyonthemove.org contact or send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org. 
You can also comment on our Twitter page at All on the Move. If you find today's podcast interesting and informative, please tell your friends and family about us. And if you'd like to help sponsor the podcast at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through the website or email. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in to our next show.